Big Jamais. Welcome, episode 27, Light Shed Podcast. I am Brandon Ross with my partner, Rich Greenfield and Walter Pisick. Hello, fellas. Yakshamash. <laughs> Yakshamash. Is it Yakshamash or Yakshamash? Yakshamash. Oh, Yakshamash. We should, um, we should have a little soundtrack running. All the time during our podcast. I think just in the background, light music. I th- you know what? We do have intro music for our um for our reading notes podcast, whatever the fuck that one's called. It's called Light Shed Research, actually. Oh. <laughs> tricky. Our reading notes podcast. You're really selling it there. <laughs> you slide over uh, a little bit. What why? Which way? Uh, to, to your left right no it's his left i think that's perfect thank you okay yeah. no yeah. no one wants to see where borat's mask is <laughs> this, <laughs> this is, is really, by the this, way this is really going to shift our listeners to the podcast this, this this, <laughs> i mean <laughs> tell everyone subscribe to the to the podcast true, true, so true or false for the poor souls that have to watch this nastiness <laughs> this on is the video this is the single best movie poster of all time and it's Just not even in theaters, Rich. Well, I think that's, uh, I mean, look, that's a really, uh, you know, fascinating issue, right? I mean, AMC struggling Forget for bankruptcy, and we can watch this movie tonight on Amazon gonna, Prime. Who, which of the three of us, who are you guys watching tonight? I'm watching tonight, no doubt about it. I have I have Trey doing his Beacon Jams, his, his live from the Beacon Theater tonight. So Meaning you're going to watch, watch a it. concert online? I do every week, Rich. Uh, it's just every you're week. Sorted. You're just pathetic, honestly. Just well, th- well thank you. What, what about you, Walt? I'm definitely watching it after, by the way, though. Um, we'll see. I've already I've already fast forwarded to some of the more interesting scenes that I wanted to get my take on it, but let's go on. What's the first slide? First slide is World Series, Brandon. Why don't you walk us through just this rid- well, so ridiculously bad to, numbers? Do you, do you want me to, to to start reading the tweets now? Yes. Um, I think, yeah. Okay. Well, let's just... John Allrand from SBJ tweeted, World Series Game 2, 8.95 million viewers on Fox. That's down 25% from last year's Game 2 and down 34% from 2018's Red Sox-Dodgers game two. So, and I, on the slide, we kind of have um, a, the history of ratings and viewership numbers um, for the World Series in the past. Look, this is, this is the continuation of the 2020 sports viewership plunge. I mean, there's obviously been a, a conflict or a confluence of 2020 um, specific reasons for for poor ratings, lack of fans. Which, but, but this isn't. Hold on. But this isn't poor ratings. This is the worst two no, ratings. I, so dude, game one was the worst MLB World Series game. As in as, as game we, two was lower than that. As we saw with the NHL, and we saw with the NBA, and we've seen with I don't know horse racing and some golf 
and probably ping pong. I don't, I don't, I don't know what else. What about cornhole? Right? ESPN's got a lot of cornhole that they put on there. Now. I know. What is that anyway? But but look, we've NFL's been talking, actually done okay. NFL's no, actually NFL's done, okay. done fine. I think the NFL ratings are down something like fourteen, and in twenty sixteen, by the way last presidential election year, I think they were down 13 or 14 up until um, the election. And then things improved, although then they were down like eight or nine the next year anyway. Um, but but, but, look, but nine, less than so, less than nine million viewers is uh, I mean, we're in like territory we've never even like comprehended. Uh, it's just it's pretty amazing, actually, just how low these numbers are. No, it is. And, aggregate. and we wrote about it this week. There's a lot going on to help drive these numbers lower. But I think the dirty little secret is there's there's also secular uh, headwinds for sports now. And I think that there was a bunch of pull forward in, in those trends um, during COVID. You have Among Us, which I'm sure we'll talk about later with AOC as your background this week. Um, video games have have expanded demos more people are playing online because they because of this the social aspects of it um and if you look at sports specifically look snap put up ridiculous ridiculous um numbers for sports engagement in the last quarter they talked to i think it was three different points how sports center was doing how um the nba channel was doing um how highlights in general were doing and that is the relationship that younger people have with sports now it's not two major things watching live games brandon you got two major things right you've got lots of other competition and the casual sports fan is not sitting on television anymore. They're sitting on, they're watching Amazon Prime and hanging out on Borat tonight, right? Like they're not turning on their TV and ending up randomly on a game that they might not have turned on to see, but stumbled upon. Once you start living on these streaming platforms, all the casual viewers are gone. And I just think like those two factors, it's just a really tough time to be in the sports business. I also think the relationship um, that fans have with sports has changed dramatically when we mean teams up, or sports was, when with sports in general, when we grew up, it was all about the teams, right? We watched yep. every day as the Mets season unfolded every Sunday as the giant season unfolded. And again, now um, people are just interested in highlights. The athletes themselves are bigger than the teams. Look at the social followings for athletes and compare them to what what the, what they are f- for teams it's it's not night even day. close yeah. night and day um and look the way the the sports leagues monetize is getting people to watch full games and i think that's really the headwind more than the popularity of sports itself and you talk about things like sports betting i think that is going to um further fracture uh, viewership, the reasons people watch watch games, whether they watch parts of games, entire games, or just highlights. And it's a real challenge for the industry. It's really for the leagues themselves and and for the broadcasters. Well, and and what makes this worse, right, is that you, know, you think about the regional sports networks that sort of rely on sports teams. And now you've got 
more and more distributors. Yep. I mean, Charlie Ergen at Dish was the first, and you know, people and, said, and "Oh, by the way, I, you made an important point there." The RSNs are all about following teams and watching complete teams games. So to yep. the extent that the relationship with teams is fractured and it's, and that's not what's driving sports viewership anymore. It's a much bigger problem for the RSNs than even for the national networks. No. And I remember we were at the, you know, the last major event that you and I traveled to, we went to the NBA tech summit and I remember watching Ted Leonsis, Mark Cuban and Jim Dolan on stage and all three of them, we're like, we need a new model for sports regionally, like for the local RSNs. We need a new business model. And everyone's thinking about new ideas. But, you know, Sinclair is in the middle of restructuring its debt to sort of avoid bankruptcy. These RSNs are in real trouble. And I think yeah. I don't I don't know if necessarily we're talking about bankruptcy there because there's no trigger yet. Right. No, it's They're, just getting worse but, and worse and worse. Yeah, I mean, those bonds are trading at, I think the sub debt's trading at like 50 cents on the dollar. And even the seniors trading at like 60 cents. So um, this team yeah, concept is interesting, Brandon, but it, it also is is kind of, I don't know, I want to say contradictory, but it's not similar to what when we did our um, Lightshed Live with Gary V and he was talking about some of the issues with baseball. And the fact that baseball hasn't invested in getting high-profile players, um, yep. because so that's so right. his point. Hold on. So his Go point ahead. was that um, you know if you have higher-profile players and you get fans to follow the players, it would actually help ratings. And you're suggesting now that that might not be the best thing because you still want engagement with the team. No, I I think that the that preferences are changing. I think that the leagues have to lean in to how preferences are changing to save the sport at all. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it's moving towards individuals and other storylines over teams is not good for sports anyway. But I don't. Well, but that's the opposite of what Gary Vee was suggesting, right? That he was saying. No, that no, because the problem with MLB is they're losing that. They're just not relevant anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're not getting the interest of young people in individual players. But and, your argument is that they shouldn't be pushing lines. the individual. They should be marking That's, the team. No, no, okay. not at all. What am I I'm missing? Sa I'm saying what I'm saying is that the relationship. Hold on. Let, let, let me just it down. Is a problem. OK. And I don't know how that's fixed, but at least if there's storylines around individuals and there's personalities on Twitter, the sport is still somewhat interesting to young people. So instead of losing people outright, young people outright, at least you have some reason for them to continue to watch the sport. Well, I, to follow the sport, I think, not to watch the sport, or to, to follow, follow the sport. The, the question is, what is the economic model that following players rather than teams, what is the economic model? You're either going to be irrelevant. You know, if you don't make this shift to focusing on your players, you're going to be irrelevant. That's the economic model. I believe is if you, you have enough interest in the player that maybe you'll watch the game, some of the world. national games. Sure. And that's at least that's something, but what about local? Right. Bad. Your point is that if you're if you're profiling like the th top three guys nationally, that doesn't help the, the local guy like on your team. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Every team needs to yes. obviously do that on their own. But I see your point. 
Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Sievert, Mike. I mean, <laughs> Walt. <laughs> so his name is Mike Sievert. He's no, the CEO of T-Mobile, and he's tweeting a troll tweet um, at AT&T saying, are AT&T customers going to think the new iPhone is a downgrade just because their 5G lost its E? Um, it's funny, right? But <laughs> Nice emoji. I like the emoji use. Nice emoji use. Um, the funny thing, though, is that 5GE, which, you know, T-Mobile attacked, not attacked, but like trolled, um, or ATT trolled T-Mobile about, and lots of people in the media, media trolled people about. This goes back to January 2019. What we pointed out at the time was that it actually, when you saw that 5GE as an AT&T customer, it also meant that AT&T had actually deployed more Spectrum. And Spectrum was going to improve the performance of AT&T's phone. And what, in fact, happened was that prior to doing the F5GE and the Spectrum deployments, which made your phone better, they were losing customers for four years. And then it inverted, and it's positive. And in the third quarter, they added more postpaid phone subs than Verizon. Now, we'll see what T-Mobile reports um, coming up, if they can beat AT&T. But, and they possibly or probably will. Consensus right now has them below what AT&T is going to report. But can you imagine if... if so let's assume T-Mobile do, just Do you think the fact that he's trolling, him, trolling AT&T implies that they're going to have a really good quarter? Maybe. But, but, but if they don't, the headline is AT&T is the number one wireless, well, actually maybe Comcast is going to end up being your Comcast and Charter, but but if AT&T of the, of the three nationals added more wireless customers, largely on the backs of their 5GE branding and deployment, it will be amazing. It will be amazing. And look, AT&T stock was up 6% yesterday in part because of the surprising wireless subgrowth. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, let's, uh, let's move on to sort of following on the AT&T theme divisionally, you know, we've been really focused on HBO max, obviously AT&T John Stanky seems to have really empowered Jason Kylar to really make changes across the organization. We've seen sort of a rolling, really large rolling reorg across the company. And he's bringing in a tremendous amount of his talent from his Hulu days. It really is getting the gang back together. Uh, at HBO Max, but there's sort of a glass half full, half empty sort of story around HBO. The really good news is subs at 38 million for overall HBO was their 2021 year end target. So they're already there. Now, we don't know sort of exact ARPU, so it's a little hard to know what's actually going on, but, meaning how much of this is being given away to AT&T subscribers. But look, growing Rich, again, also, don't forget, there were, there were so many tailwinds for streaming S first streaming right. and SVOD in general, that it makes sense that they were going to beat their targets, even even if they did nothing. I mean, look right. at WWE Network all of a sudden started like. No, I look, everyone expects everyone expects CBS All Access to have a gr incredible it, quarter next week. Like it, exactly. There's massive pandemic tailwinds there. But the, so the, but the story is right within that 38 million, only 20 of 9 million of them have HBO Max. And the real kind of Achilles heel is that of those 29 million that have access to HBO Max, that means you're a charter subscriber or a Comcast subscriber and your HBO subscription now gives you the ability to use HBO Max. Out of those 29 million, only 8 million or 30 percent of them have actually even tried once HBO Max. <laughs> That's sort of like 
depressing, right? Like people don't even know that they have Macs, even though they're paying for it. Now, the good news would be last quarter, it was 15% and 4 million. Now it's 30% and 8 million. So it's better and certainly going in the right direction, but you've still got 20 million people who could literally turn on HBO Max tonight on their streaming device, iPhone, whatever, and haven't done it yet. Yeah, there's. I think there's a couple of things there. First of all, they haven't really marketed HBO Max yet, and I think, and I think related, there hasn't been any real must-watch original HBO Max content. That's the the primary issue. When when there is, they'll they'll push on it. Yep. And then I think that'll relate to to the third most important topic surrounding HBO Max, which is further distribution. Um, which comes down to Roku and kind of the stalemate that's, and that's happening there. And Amazon. Still right. stalemate. And, and that, that's definitely contributing mm-hmm. to it. But I think the second one, Brandon, in my view, is the <coughs> big one because once you get pulled in for something that you can only see in the HBO Max app, whatever that's going to be, but they will find something. Then you'll look and like, holy shit, there's actually a lot of other great content within right. this app that I didn't know about. Like so you got pulled, you got pulled into CBS All Access this week. Because of Liverpool, right? Because then I Liverpool. hop right back out. Well, I know, but <laughs> <laughs> but at um, least with HBO Max, there's plenty of library there. I I would say to keep people engaged once once they're in, you just need a reason to get them in and get them moving. And, and look, I mean, I, look, I th- hold on, Rich. They have tons of library, and for years you have preached about, hey, look, Netflix. They started from scratch and they build up. It takes ten years and. We're patient with Apple TV Plus in terms of it's going to take time. They have money. Like, why doesn't AT and T get the same um, kind of pass in terms of like be patient? They will at some yeah. point have some type of exclusive product, and they're going to it's, pull that lever hard weird. on a huge number of subscribers. It's What's just the rush. It's just weird that they didn't have it kind of out of the gate, right? I agree. That's how, but, like Disney had the Mandalorian, for instance. Sure. Right? But, but hold on. But I but I criticize Disney all the time. Like they have programming like The Bachelor that they could move over and premiere on Hulu or premiere on Disney Plus, let alone their movies. If you think about HBO, they could have taken Lovecraft Country and not put it on HBO that's, and said this is only fair. on Max. Like that's they fair. could do it. The, yeah, the only the only thing do. is like that HBO subsector of of HBO Max means something and stands for a, a, a certain quality. And that particular show fits that very well. So what subsector would you then put Lovecraft Country under? I, I just think there can't be a distinction ultimately. I think it's got to be one company if you're really going to win long term. But uh, you know, and look, the app is not also not great for discovery. It Let's sucks. See, yeah. That app not great. sucks. But sorry, Jason, if you're listening. <laughs> actually, Jason, just fix it. But it's it's um <laughs> he but, will. It, but I'm convinced at the end of the day, I, there is I honestly good prefer library the there. straight HBO app because I'm only gonna watch like succession or or whatever or some of the higher brow programming and the other is just a distraction and it's hard you to watch the west wing stuff. special the other night i did not rich did i think you? that's an incorrect statement and over over the next the subsequent podcast we are i will be highlighting all of the shows that you will end up watching on hbo max the library is there the discovery is not great and there's not exclusive content to draw people in yep unlike disney like is disney's library that deep like Mando's exactly. great. Well, it's, it's only high, deep if you're it's, it's, it's deep if you're under high, 10 years old. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. Very high quality library. And plus, it, or if you're a Marvel fan or if you're a Star Wars fan, whatever. How many times are you going to watch you know, the I know. Marvel movie? I I it reminds me of those fan, shrink like, wrap. It, it's those shrink wrap DVDs. They sat on your shelf. You don't actually watch them. They just sit there. No one's going back and watching Endgame 17 times. Like, I just don't believe that's consumer behavior. And let's not forget that Verizon played a very big role in, you know, getting this thing off off to a good start with their 5 million subs that they added. And we'll see how that conversion. You know what? Right. You want to know what the biggest problem that HBO Max has? Ali G, which was on HBO, is not on HBO Max. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, staying Ooh, with sort of stuff that is funny. Uh, <laughs> I think sort of the most, in, you know, one of the, the most encouraging data points that we've had in terms of kind of executive evolution is what's happened with Snap. You know, Snap is a company that, you know, two years ago we had a sell on $5 price target. Stock was collapsing. And the change over the last couple of years in Snap has been sort of just stunning to watch. Why don't we look at, we've got a funny video look here. At her. of, it's a listen. <laughs> let, let's, we're we're going to do a, a short listen. This was played on CNBC, but this was the Snapchat earnings call a couple of years ago where Brandon Ross was caught in a what we call a hot mic moment. So I just have a listen. By the way, I thought my career was over when this happened. Close friends. And I think, you know, people, as they become more reliant on push notifications, have sort of relaxed the standards there. And, and I, think, uh, I think it's important for our business. Thank you. Our next question is from Mark Mahaney with our. I didn't even understand his response. So that was Brandon sort of like going when, when Evan was talking about growth hacking and what was good growth hacking and bad growth hacking. He tried to sort of explain to the world what good growth hacking was. I, I don't think, he, but he did it in such a condescending way at the time. Remember, he told you, Rich, to go for a Google. That was a much more precocious version of Evan Spiegel. And I think Evan has grown up quite a bit over the last couple of years. And I think he surrounded himself also not with Bingo. yes men yep. or women anymore, but with, with winners um, who could take the ball and, and run on their own. And I think the, the best one or the most important one has been Jeremy. I think the yep. upgrade from like Imran to Jeremy was was a game changer. What's his for, name for this for this company? Jer Jeremy, Jeremy uh, Gorman. It's, she it's a, she it's a she she <laughs> ran advertising like, for Amazon because you Jeremy. sound like you were saying Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy. I ran, said Jeremy. She ran so, advertising. When you say that, for, it sounds like you're saying Jeremy. <laughs> say it again. <laughs> Is this like a New York? Like, Let's say it again. I, want to, I said Jeremy spoke. <laughs> but yeah, let's just get Jeremy. back to the key takeaway. The what? key takeaway like is oh <laughs> you guys are literally off the rails. Like literally, this is, our listeners are going to be going crazy. I'd like some email feedback on this. Whoever agrees with me that it sounded like he was saying Jeremy, please okay, send me an email. Whatever. All right, let's move on. But the, Sorry. The, no, no, but the, the, there's a couple of important takeaways. One is that brands, real brands, yep. are embracing Snap. And as Brandon talked about before, not only is linear TV dying, but sports on linear TV is dying. If you're looking for eyeballs, advertisers, because of the change that we're seeing, partially due to COVID, partially due to just, in, you know, kind of systemic issues that are secular trends, are embracing streaming online. 
and, you know, embracing ads within all of the streaming content, whether it's Snaps Discover, whether it's their filters, we are looking at, I think you're going to see across the board, whether it's Pinterest, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, you're going to see very strong numbers across the board next week with a lot of these tech companies because the legacy ways of reaching customers are just getting tougher and tougher. I mean, people are playing, I mean, we're going to get to it, but like they're playing games. They're, they're just not on TV the way they used to. Yep. And the sports problem highlights that. And, I, you know, I, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any one specific thing you can point to, but I, I would look at Jeremy going out and hiring Pete Naylor, who ran ad sales for Hulu. And the big campaign at Hulu for years was come TV with us. I think if you look now, what they're doing is they're basically going to those same advertisers and say, come to Snapchat. We're where the, we're, we have the eyeballs you want. We can give you a pretty brand safe environment. It's not perfect, but a pretty brand safe environment. Come advertise over here. And you're seeing a, a pretty rapid shift. I mean, Snap and and the quarter growing over 60% in revenues. And brands need place to go right now because brand advertising is is coming back. Yep. I mean, that's it. So they're gonna have, they need inventory. The inventory happens to be on digital, right? And I don't think that they're going back to TV, even when TV has much more content or sports ratings will improve. I don't think they're going to improve back to like pre 2020 levels, but they will improve. But what happened in the 2009 to 2010 recession, Rich, that was the point at which um, advertisers abandoned newspapers, for instance, yep. and, and they went to Google, and, right? And like they never came back. Yep. It, w- it went to Google, right? And to, I guess, web, one and 2.0 uh properties and and that was it 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 was long it was long overdue but that's when it 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 took an event to make it happen and and i think when you you look look at what's going on look at the quality of advertising on not just snap right now and snap's done an amazing job as we as we just highlighted right but even uh, on pinterest look at the quality of advertisers suddenly there Look at even Pandora's results this quarter. They got RPMs back up to 84. I think they were like 53 or something um, last quarter, which, which was shocking. So there are real tailwinds for the industry at large. But yeah, Jeremy's done an amazing job there. The issue why it's not going back, and we can we're not going to do an earnings review of Netflix because nobody wants an earnings review. But but. The, the key takeaway, right, is that whether I mean, maybe Netflix doesn't get to our 36 million subscribers, we'll see whether they can still do it. I think I think it's still possible. But whether they do 34 million subscriber ads for the year or 36 million, they've never added 34 million subscribers in a quarter, uh, let alone 30 million in a year. subscribers Sorry, in a year. They've never added. And so the trend away from linear TV between Netflix having its biggest year of net ads ever, the growth that Brandon just talked about in terms of CBS All Access you know, Amazon Prime, you know, everybody, we're all, Walt loves the ending of Ted Lasso, which we didn't even talk about on don't, this episode I haven't yet. watched it yet, so don't talk about the end. But the point is, all of this content is exploding. You're not going back to linear TV. Brands are going to have to figure out new ways to advertise. The only thing I'd add on Netflix that I think is sort of interesting is a, a new marketing approach. They talked about on the earnings call that India is really the one market that they still haven't sort of figured out. That it's just, you know, we saw the same thing in Latin America years ago. Then we saw it in Japan. We saw it in Korea. 
each of those markets is now starting to really go vertical. India has been the real trouble spot for Netflix in terms of really breaking in. I think it just takes time. But what was interesting is that they're doing a two day. The entire service is basically open for subscribe or for people in India to use Netflix. And so it's sort of a, as they've gotten rid of free trials all around the world now, except for like two small markets, they're looking for new approaches to marketing. And so this is basically two days where you can binge as much as you want. And I think really showcase to people what Netflix is as a way to bring them in. It's sort of a, a different approach to marketing that we really, I guess we've seen sort of, you know, free weekends for Showtime or for, you know, HBO in the past, but and, there's obviously a lot video more games. content. Like Latin Activ- America, there was also zero rating data that occurred for some of the social apps. And maybe that's another approach they can take. Yep. Making it easier to subscribe. Yeah, data is not cheap. Uh, correct. Uh, let's talk about AOC, Brandon. This was pretty insane. Um, so I, I guess I could just, it started off with um, AOC, my favorite politician, yeah, right? Um, tweeting anyone anyone want to play among us with me on twitch to get out the vote uh parentheses i've never played but it looks like a lot of fun and as it turned out that was a great place to reach young people this is the second tweet from adam bankhurst aoc's first twitch stream of among us was a big win over 430,000 viewers at its peak. This makes it one of the biggest non-company streams behind Ninja Drake's Fortnite one, which was 600,000, and Shroud's return to Twitch, which was 500,000. And I I, I mean, look. That's a lot of people. I mean, that's a lot of people for watching somebody who doesn't even know how to play video games play video games. For a live aggregated um, audience. And again, it just it shows you among us itself is is a casual social game where where people are are gathering. Twitch has become forget gaming has become much more than just about video games. It's become um, uh, a place, I guess, still centered around individual streamers um that people are just hanging out i think their servers are melting down though because i tried to play this weekend with my daughter and trying to join a room uh, was, you, was getting way, more and more by difficult. the way what what do you what do you expect like this game came out in the middle of 2018 right you have a tiny team and pretty much nothing's happening for two years all of a sudden it gets a little bit i forget who it was who who first streamed it on twitch it starts to get traction everyone starts streaming it within a week and next thing you know you have millions of players instead of thousands of players those kids must have, i don't know if they like are psyched that they like hit the lottery or <laughs> or they need to raise some capital to keep the, the lights on in the server <laughs> yeah. room right like or do, and, mean, do some, and do some hiring uh, pretty quickly um, but it just uh, it just shows you also the the power of Twitch and the power of these streamers to make or break games. And also well, the no, other but, interesting but, but, thing. But, but hold on, but Brandon, I want to stop you there because what's interesting is like when you watch baseball, does it make you want to go out and play baseball? I'm sure to some degree, but it's really interesting how watching your you know when I was growing play- up. Trust me, I I wanted to like wiggle my bat like. Daryl Strawberry did or whatever. 
right? But but you can more, much more easily and immediately um, play. Right. Especially a free-to-play game that takes 30 seconds to download and isn't all that complicated to learn how to play. I mean, playing baseball is a lot more complicated, I can tell you, than playing Among Us, which I figured out in about three minutes. Right. Not even. A lot of themes here, though, right? Um, free The free-to-play <laughs> free scale, the um, power of influencers and what's interesting is small indie studios making yes. suddenly making big hits which yes. i mean we we had always talked about you look at the top 10 especially on console and it's always been from the same 10 games from the same large publishers and, and now we're seeing breakout after breakout from these other studios that are not part yeah. of that group I mean, Fall Fall Guys is another one, also kind of like a very casual social battle royale game. So it it's it's going to be interesting. Well, sort of the collision of media and gaming, right? Is the PS Five, which Brandon you've talked about a bunch before. There, this is a post in Variety saying the Sony PlayStation Five will include a remote and apps for Netflix, Disney Plus, Apple TV, and more. I remember when I first got, I think we were all at. Um, we were, you know, we were all getting, we had just gotten a, 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 the PS3. So this is two generations ago. I remember, I remember you were the first person I, I knew. Yeah, I remember Sony. This is how far back we go to, Sony, to have a PS3. And we were uh, and all so, like in awe of you. And you're like, hey, want to come over my apartment? Yeah, no, no. But I remember Sony sent it to me. And I remember it, the Blu-ray was a big thing back then. And I yep. remember like, how am I supposed to play the Blu-ray? And they're like, just use your gaming remote to navigate. And I was like. I don't know how to use a gaming remote to navigate, you know, playing a DVD or a Blu-ray disc. And they actually ended up then creating because people were having so much problems. They created a media remote. So it's sort of fascinating that now by the PS5, it's a beautiful, simple, looks very slick. It's got four dedicated buttons, Netflix and YouTube, which is there are the two most used apps on streaming video. Disney has a button. Obviously, they've all these are all paid for. That's how these this usually works. Disney Plus has a button and sort of surprising Spotify has a button, which yeah. is interesting. I haven't seen that one before. Right. Yeah, uh, obviously, I think, like, obviously Sony owns Sony owns Sony Music, though. So sort of an interesting way to drive music is by having that button right on the PS5. Go back to Xbox One and the strategy around it was was to make it a sort of the center of of media in your household. Yep. Remember that? That was the original Xbox like the, idea. The, mar the marketing pitch was, uh, was not just about video games at the time. It sure. was about being a hub for, it, for it integrated streaming. my direct TV box and worked. Okay. Yeah. And it was supposed to also be early in the audio and in in integrating because it controlled the DTV box that you could also use audio and the remote. I did not have the same problems as you in figuring out how to use a, game controller i hate i i just didn't like the you're experience. a savvier that's gamer I, than me though that's not what the game controller is for it just didn't work well is the, the, the bigger right. problem also the ui ux just sucked right yeah, it was not great was but still, they're dealing with direct tv which you know and by the on ps4 i think the ui ux sucks I mean, yeah, you get used to navigating it, obviously, but we'll, we'll see what it looks like when PS5 comes out and if it's a little more friendly to doing more than just playing games in addition to having the remote. 
Brandon, why don't you walk us through, um, I guess, earnings news, but it's not really about earnings. It's really yeah, about earnings. Like, no, we're not doing earnings. We're not doing earnings. I mean, Rich I think, just said earnings think, news. Well, the reason this is up it was is up there is because for the podcast the listeners, tweets, what's up there is a Series XM tweet, which says Series XM reports one percent revenue growth, significant progress, and extending deal with Howard Stern. Yeah, as we expected, that's that Stern deal is going to get done. I never really believed that Spotify was the place he was going to go. I think that Spotify, even though they're doing some things now that are, and I think we're going to talk about this after, that are you know a little more radio-like, their entire goal, their, their identity, in addition to music, is podcasting. I don't think Stern was the, was the right person for podcasting. I think he has a real radio show, and that's not what they wanted to build. Plus, Siri still had access to his library, which, you know, having, um, having Stern without the library probably wouldn't have, you know, done that that much um, for them. And um, I, it was always inevitable that Howard was going to go back there. He's comfortable there and they're going to pay him a lot of money. That's it on that side. And then on the quarter, wow, the quarter, the quarter was great, by the way. Um, I, 169,000 self-paid ads. Did you say great quarter? I didn't say great on the quarter. Call? Okay. No. I should have um, put the video up, Walt. I should have put the vomit we were video right up on our quarterly own. Quarterly and net ads. What are we doing here? This is quarterly all, net right? ads. Can we skip this? Best. The, yeah, bot- the, bo- the bottom line was you were dis- about to just review the quarter. No, I wasn't going to review the quarter, but despite an like excellent trajectory for uh, the company and getting the Howard Stern deal done, stock didn't even move. It just shows where people want growth right now. Cause it's just a boring, it. it's not a growth story. It's just a, right. it's cheap. People want growth. Okay. So you, let's talk about growth. Spotify's got growth. And yeah. you know, I think the, what this tweet is, is good morning. Oh, We've got nice something one, new for you. Kick off your weekday mornings with The Get Up, the best of pop culture and news with music personalized just for you. Uh, and, you know, Spotify has been doing more and more trying to recreate the radio experience. You know, they've got <laughs> this now. Is- They've got the, you know, if you think about the car, they've got now car dedicated kind of drive playlists that they had started probably about 18 months ago, maybe even two years ago now. But they clearly are pushing more and more into the blending of audio, news and information. I mean, this starts out with headlines, goes into music, sort of feels like if you think about like Z100 in the morning, the Z morning zoo and sort of that experience is what they're trying to recreate here. And I think it goes back to we had Daniel Eck on Lightshed Live back in April or May, I think. And he actually talked pretty openly about he didn't really believe in the advertising side of their business so much initially, but he's gotten much more excited about as that as the MAU number has grown and as that he's seen the power of what targeted advertising on Spotify could do. This, to me, feels like they're getting their they're getting more and more comfortable with the fact that they're going to go after the 15 plus billion of terrestrial ad dollars. And go after it pretty hard. And is this really new though? I mean, I, I remember back in the days when I would actually have a commute going into the city that Spotify had something that I it just kind of played that gave me some news and then it mixed in yeah. music yep. based on my preferences. So that this is this isn't new, is it? No, it was built for driving though. So this okay. is sort of the, but and they it had was, that like a year ago at least. Yep. The the daily drive. 
And so gotcha. this and is it's now, still, but it's still also on demand, right? Right, hundred so percent. Yeah. It's it's not radio. It Correct. leans way more towards podcasts than radio. Sure. They definitely they still don't want to do anything that's live and real radio. It felt it felt like a radio time. I mean, look, it replaced if I had ever flipped on a radio, you know, in the drive to the train station. So it, it had the same kind of content impact. Um, but, it, you know, again, it was a mix of things. And you're right. It would have been, you know, you would have had to have some level of library. And it's it was it's current, too. Like it's current news that they're that they're it, delivering every day. It's fresh. Like there's fresh yeah. content every day layered into there. So, with so those music. things go stale like the following day. Right. But I guess they, they're making their people are using it for this platform. Or it's just repurposed stuff, right? We're moving on to California. Uh, there's been a lot of, you know, Bob Iger, um, chairman of Disney, left the, I guess we talked about a few weeks ago, had left Newsom sort of uh, the whole committee on reopening the tensions between the theme park owners, not just Disney, but all of them and government uh, in California really have been getting worse and worse. So what we basically got was news and the tweets are basically it's currently unclear when Disneyland Universal Studios will open. The tiers from high to low are purple, red, orange, yellow, where Disneyland is in Orange County is red. So a level three and L.A. County, where Universal is, is widespread purple, which is level four. Both need to be minimal yellow to open. So they have to get to the bottom. And basically the, the gist of this was based on what's happening here, it doesn't look like these theme parks are opening up likely before next summer. So you could literally see both of these theme, all of the theme parks in California close until next summer, which has to be devastating to Anaheim. But it's just funny when all regulations in Florida, basically you could have Disney's not doing it, nor is universal, but they could have full capacity in Florida with no regulation by the government whatsoever. And California won't even let them open with minimal capacity. It's just stunning to see the difference in state behavior. Okay, Can't argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> Google. Brandon? I'll read it out. The Justice Department sues Google for antitrust violations, alleging it abused its dominance in online search and advertising to stifle competition and harm consumers. The suit marks the government's biggest attempt to protect competition in over 20 years. Um, Basically tying it to Microsoft, I assume. Yeah, Microsoft was the last big one. It just, it seems like the case itself, and we haven't dug in that deeply yet. We're going to next week with some of our uh, Light Shed Premium Access guests. Um, but it, it it doesn't seem to have that much teeth to it. What do you think, Rich? I think the problem is you're doing it, this it feels before like, the election. I feel, I feel like it feels almost like it's, it's a lawsuit for the sake of having a lawsuit, which may speak to the election, but... It is one of the few things like clamping down on big tech that does seem to have bipartisan support. I think a lot depends on who takes what roles. I mean, so, right. If, if Trump stays, we expect a lot of shifts, right. And who's in leadership across a lot of the, you know, antitrust divisions. If you think about it under a Biden, you know, presidency, 
you know, where do people like Elizabeth Warren, you know, end up in, in terms of roles? Do they stay in the Senate? Do they take on more leadership roles in the administration? I think there's a lot of moving parts. I mean, from people I talk to, you know, it wouldn't be shocking. You know, do you see this lawsuit maybe even refiled in a different form under a Democratic administration? I think there's just so many unknowns right now. The only thing I do know is that whatever happens is going to take years upon years. And at least from the near term, meaning the next 12 to 18 months, next 12 to 24 months, the odds that this has any impact on on businesses other than just preventing meaningful acquisitions is probably pretty low. If you're Apple, do you look at this and say, ooh, that could impact the revenue that Google is paying us for search and start to figure out and develop your own search strategy, which has its own benefits. Maybe not as much to them who you know don't like to sell data and their whole shtick is privacy. So that would be an argument against developing your own search in terms of how you can monetize it. But um, that's obviously a, you know, a longer term risk for them because it's a big revenue number that plays into that services business, which you know is obviously a driver in terms of Apple's valuation. I just, you know, it's it's so hard for me to imagine Apple using your data to target advertising. And uh, look, you're right. They could be forced into it because they may not be able to basically work with companies like Google in the same way anymore. It just seems to go against everything. You know, you think about the Apple ad campaign. Everything is about data. Everything is about making, you know, IDFA. Like everything is about making use of data harder and harder for advertising. I mean, they don't do podcast advertising. They don't have a free music service because of not wanting to have ads. They outsource. I mean, Apple News outsources its ads to NBC and Linda Yaccarino and her team because Apple doesn't want to use you do advertising. Like it's just they go so out of their way. Search, so today you can you can select your search. So yep. what does the government want? They just they want can someone else pay Apple for that position? And is Apple then going to be a kingmaker on whoever they're forced to select next? Or are they basically saying you can't ever have a default that you a default search that your phone and your billion users or you know can actually go to? What uh, exactly I, is the government asking for? I, I think we'll figure that out. I don't think we know exactly yet. I mean, I'm not even sure we have an exact. I mean. Do, do you want your Chrome browser not owned by Google? Like, do you want your Chrome browser to work less good? I just, it, I still think from a consumer standpoint, it's very <laughs> hard to comprehend that. Like, that, how is that in consumers' interest to have your Chrome browser or Google Maps work I, I as honestly, well? Yeah, I, I, I don't get this lawsuit. I, if it was going after Google for, I don't know, edge ranking down Yelp and, um, yes kayak and who, whatever competitors um where they're where they have integration then that makes sense to me but this whole approach um in going the approach is that they want things to happen that you as the consumer actually don't want yeah to happen. it doesn't make sense and but isn't the whole point of anti of antitrust to protect the consumer that's i don't yeah. i don't get it i i don't know i just don't it's kind of well, like the Prop 22 in California, where most of the drivers don't want to be don't want to be considered as a full time employee. They want that flexibility, and yet the government yeah. there goes forward. And it feels like this was just a lawsuit for the sake of a lawsuit for now. I feel the same way though, Walt, with Uber. Like who 
who wants Uber not to exist or these companies to be pressured and to have less drivers? But, like the whole but thing's in the case crazy. of Prop 22, Rich, it's there's been surveys of the drivers themselves and they don't want it. Even, even in a post-COVID where a lot of these people obviously lost revenue opportunities and would have had better protections as drivers, as full-time employees, the, the negatives that come along with that is not preferred by the potential employee that they're trying to protect. Well, sticking with the theme of things I don't understand... T-Mobile and TV. Okay, so I'll read this tweet, even though it it really has more of a media thing. This is whoever tweeting, exclusive T-Mobile to announce, oh, I guess I should give him props because it's his exclusive, Matthew Keys Live. Um, Exclusive T-Mobile to announce streaming TV service, Android TV, power device next. So next Tuesday is this big, you know, T-Mobile does these uncarrier events, which have been quite underwhelming in recent years. Um, So what he's pitching here that he thinks is going to happen is a streaming TV service. If you recall, T-Mobile had that box that they sent out where it, where the remote had buttons. The BMW, the BMW box. There was buttons on the box that didn't even work. Um, I, I believe that was a Mike Zevert deal initially to buy the company that enabled that. Um, my dream for that, and I think we wrote about it, was if you embed LTE and I guess now 5G into the box, that was a way to win the living room. So T-Mobile could ship you this box that embedded the LTE, then it would take the signal in and and give you internet via Wi-Fi and get your video, but it was just kind of a a Trojan horse into the home per se. And some of the people at the company that they bought actually not confirmed it, but said, yes, that's exactly what's going to happen type of thing. And then they launched it. There was an LTE in it. It was a horrible user experience. The box crashed all the time and the remote had buttons that didn't work. Like what in the world? So anyway, I guess this is phase two where T-Mobile is now going to try and attack um, the streaming market. What do you think their success rate is on that, Rich or Brandon? I mean, look, I, I like the fact that they're using an Android TV build, um, as that's essentially what AT&T did as well with their kind of reconceived, you know, IP streaming box. I think the challenge is, why do you need a box? We don't need a box. An Apple TV. I mean, we, I was at your house they last may, night. They might, Apple sell TV. This, they might sell this as a service that goes on TVs, as an app that goes on TVs. I'm, we don't know what they're going to announce, right? It's well, just I'm just saying guys. it. I, yeah, I'm just saying it says he yeah, it's true. It says an Android powered TV device. I just would say nobody needs another device. We have devices, Apple, Amazon, Chromecast, all of these devices work perfectly well. I just don't think we need yet another <laughs> it's just a lot. It's just fighting for device market share seems really hard. If you you know, look, I guess if it but was in prior integrate- podcast, we've talked about the fact that there is still a growth opportunity, right? I mean, we believe that maybe Apple can fight for that, which they're not. Like going yep. back to the Apple event, they didn't fucking bring Apple TV to the table. So here's this At opportunity all. to grab there's, growth. There's an ecosystem around Apple, right. right? And and that could tie it together in the living room. What's the ecosystem around? No, I T-Mobile? hear you. I'm just saying there, that there it, is. There's just a billing relationship. The, the ecosystem is maybe people love T-Mobile as a company and they can they can get some home market share that way. I, I hear you. It's probably not going to be successful, but I but there Never is growth. That there, there still is an opportunity. I, I don't think Roku has won this market. Is the bottom line, and I think there is I, still an opportunity to to either be a participant in growth and also take some share from Roku. All, all I would do is if I was Mike Siebert right now, I would basically go to Google and I would say, let us just send out $30 Chromecasts. We'll just we'll give away we'll give away these Chromecasts to all of our subscribers and we will just have a branded 
you know, VMVPD service called T-Mobile TV on it. And it just comes, you know, or marginal. The yeah, that's a marginal. Is that's the worst. Sievert, if you're listening, that's earth. a marginal pitch. It, it, you, you went from taking a box to take over the living room and deliver LTE into someone's house mm-hmm. to like a marginal service that you're going to give to customers. But again, that's been the history of the uncarriers and the margin dilutive years. service for, for, for that. Matter. Exactly. If they actually book the revenue for it. Right. You're exactly right, Brandon. Verizon. Why don't you start us off? Brandon, you can read it. Why don't you read some of these tweets? Let's go. Right. Another winner in the new normal. Verizon, which worked through an order backlog and gained a ton of new FIOS accounts. So the only, I think the okay, point of this one is basically they had upside to broadband. And I think AT&T also had decent broadband. So, and there was, I think there was, you know, AT&T on their conference call was pitching the fiber benefits, right? You, you know, better uplink. So, so the question is with cable coming up next week, like where are the broadband? Is this just growth in the broadband market or is there any share that's being taken from cable, you think, in this quarter? Because cable was definitely taking share from the telcos yep. over the last few quarters. And so the fear obviously is growing is, could this be, it's still going to be a good quarter for cable. And by the way, part of less- the way, sorry, let me interrupt Rich to just set you up a little bit better on this one is, Part of the reason that Verizon has been successful is mix and match, which is effectively stripping the bundle out and making the broadband more of a commodity that looked a lot cheaper, at least in my case, versus my alternative with Altice, which, you know, some people would believe that as that kind of unbundling happens and you commoditize the cable pipe, that that actually could be negative for how ARPUs can grow over the next couple of years. But well, sorry, go what on. I would just, yep. No, no, I was going to say like Charter put up such a huge broadband quarter yep. that it actually allowed them to grow video for the first time in years because of the drag along effect was so large because the broadband number was just so big and there is still an attach rate. It's a lower attach rate, but it was so big, it actually got video up year over year, which was just stunning. I guess the question is, is if broadband's a little weaker, do we also see video start heading south again? And that's what's going to be sort of interesting to watch because Charter's sort of been an outlier. And so I think there'll be a lot of eyes specific, more on Charter than even Comcast relative to this issue that you saw out of Verizon this week. There's only one way to end this podcast. Um, <laughs> there really is. So uh, Quibi is shutting down or shut down, I guess. Qu- Quibi's done. Walter? Well, my kids attacked me when I I brought this up. They're like, oh, yeah, you were Super Bowl. I'm like, I was asking you about it. We told you this con. No one's going to, you know, so everyone. There's only one of the three of us that was bearish on this. (laughs) Who didn't? Well, we know who didn't. Most people predicted that this was going to happen. So I don't, you know, is what it is. I mean, the one thing I would say is that when we had Jeffrey on um, our Light Shed Live I thought they were they were going to kind of quote unquote weather the storm and um you know pivot to figure out new ways into 2021. It's it's October. I don't think this was only because of COVID though. No way. The whole problem with I it think he owned was, up to that it, though, it, Brandon. It, no? it, it was the output of a consulting project. That's how it felt. I think that there was some arrogance on the part of the company to think that. You know, they could they knew what consumers wanted better than what consumers sometimes uh, that type of strategy works. I mean, jobs, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're Steve, yeah, Steve Jobs was an exception to the rule, though. 
right? Mo- I, most of these things. I, look, I, if you don't take I shots on goal, though, you never you, you, you never well, score a, if you don't take a shot on goal. A hundred percent. And so power to them for taking the shot on goal. Um, they raised what close to two billion dollars. And <laughs> that's a lot for just a um, yeah. look. They, the, I think the fundamental problem of Quibi at the end of the day, it goes back to Walt's point and the same issue we're talking about with HBO Max. You need must watch content. If you want people to come into your app and use it all the time, think about all the content that gets us coming back to Netflix, to Amazon, to even now Apple TV. Like you need incredible must watch content that everyone's talking about. If no one's talking about your content, like we haven't had anything to watch on Disney plus. Right. But there's, there's a chicken and the egg problem there, right? Because you need people to actually, even if you have good content, you need people to watch um, that content to promote it to their friends and to promote it on social. You absolutely do. But they had a product that people didn't want. Or that people didn't understand. I mean, I don't think anybody understood. I think a lot of the early marketing was about Quibi and the early marketing should have been about what the content that you had to watch is. And I think that was sort of a fatal early mistake that they tried to course correct point, Rich, but it's really hard. I mean, remember that Super Bowl ad last year? Quibi and no one knew what Quibi was if they had started with this is the four pieces of content that is yep. just you have to see maybe history would have been different yeah. but yeah why do you have to explain it? it if you have to explain it that's the problem you should just be like all right there's great con- that's a great point this is great content and then once the customer gets in there then they can figure it out and if they can't figure it out then those people should problems. be fired but I think the technologically right. aspect of it the production was great but you're right the, the content just wasn't compelling enough or certainly didn't draw people in. Oh, well. That's episode 27. What are we doing this weekend other than watching Borat? Watching Borat. (laughs) Watching Borat. Okay. Well, (laughs) have a great weekend, everyone. Yakshamash. We should play it out with some music. Oh, yeah. We're not playing more music. I already closed it. Now I closed it. Later, everyone.